morning, everyone, and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy, Jason, and we have some football to talk about today. I will be joined by a very special guest who I'll introduce here shortly, and we will be breaking down everything you need to know about money in the NFL, salary caps, markets, contracts, holdouts, any questions you might have will be answered. This is an all-encompassing show that you can come back to forever and always. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. So why don't we sit back, relax, sip our coffee, and enjoy the show. And could there, would there, should there be a better guest than to talk about salary cap than former NFL salary cap worker, decision point host, incredible Twitter follow, Anand Nandari. <laughs> Welcome in, man. How are you doing? What's up, Jason? We're in a little bit different spot. <laughs> Studio A is under reconstruction at the moment, so we're we're in a different spot temporarily, but uh, the, the content will be the same. How's it going, buddy? Dude, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. This is a subject that I admittedly am not very bright on. I I, I try to understand it. I, I, I feel like I understand maybe more than the normal person, but I'm definitely no expert on any of it. I probably, if you have to ask, fall more on the side that this stuff isn't even real, doesn't even matter, <laughs> but I know it does. And I'm definitely curious to hear some insight on what you have for us. So why don't we just start with just a quick little crash course on just what the salary cap is in general. So it's described poorly. It basically the best way that I can describe it to you is it's an accounting tool that teams use to allocate how much money they're actually is flowing in and out. It's much more a money flow accounting tool than it is truly a hard cap. Like we have, you know, it is obviously a maximum expenditure cap. That's really what it is but it's over a floating four year window and it's never discussed that way. So even like, let's say the number this year is we'll make it a round number just for fun. Let's say 2024s is $250 million. Every team in the league is going to have that $250 million plus whatever they carried over from the year before. So no team's actual salary cap effective for 2024 is going to be $250 million. It's going to be more than that based on how much they rolled over from years past. And then obviously it refreshes over a four-year window and you'll see some strange things happen because of the salary cap and because of cash spending, which mm -hmm. the best example would be in the mid to in the mid 2010s, you saw the Browns have a bunch of really weird one-year contracts for vested veterans that just would not make that money elsewhere. Like one year, $18 million deals for guys. You're, you're sitting there like, Hey, why in the world would they ever pay that guy? Well, they have to hit the cash floor and they have to, you know, over that four year period. So in that final year, you've got to really spend up if you haven't already, regardless of who it's on, because otherwise you're going to be penalized for not paying your fair share of what the NFLPA has negotiated in their salaries for their players. So it's much more really of an accounting tool than anything else. Everybody likes to go to New Orleans and ask, how do they keep doing this? You can add void years forever. But it ultimately amounts to being like a credit card bill. If you stay under your limit and you pay it off every single time, you're going to be perfectly fine. But if you keep pushing money into the future over and over and over and over and over again, eventually that bill will come due. And 
your minimum monthly payment, aka the cap hit for one year, is going to mm-hmm. come due in a way that you're going to have to expend some of your money on your cap for players that are no longer there. So you brought up the Saints. How much longer can they get away with it? Is it is it coming soon? It it um, it is borderline infinite. The problem is you've got to bite the bullet eventually because there comes a time where players that you're paying, right? The actual amount that you're paying them year over year, you've allocated that so far into the future that those players aren't even going to be on your roster by the time you're paying them. The Rams had to do this last year and understood kind of, hey, we're in a rebuilding phase. If we want to really chase those last couple years that we have with Cup, Donald, Stafford, mm-hmm. you're going to have to trade a Jalen Ramsey. You're going to have to get younger, cheaper at every position. And so what New Orleans is eventually going to be forced to do is let some of these veterans either go or restructure them without void years into the future that they're not actually, you know, that technically there's salary in, but they're not going to be there. Okay. And figure out a way to get younger at positions and move them off their books. But that will also involve paying players that are not there, like paying cap charges for players that are not there, much like they had to do with Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens. The Falcons paying Matt Ryan uh, last yep. year, 40-something million. Yep. It just happens. It just happens, right? Yeah. You, you... <laughs> and, and at some point, like if, if you're going to try and contend that way, if you're going to try to have those boom spike three, four-year windows, mm-hmm. this is part of what you may have to do if you haven't drafted appropriately. The, the, the Rams are a really great example of this. They had to trade for Ramsey, which obviously carried a huge cap hit after that. Mm-hmm. They brought in Von Miller, another mm-hmm. cap hit, and they kept doing that over and over and over again. And they drafted well enough to get the one rank. Don't get me wrong, absolutely worth it. The yeah. problem is for New Orleans, if you don't win that championship, it starts to look like you don't know what you're doing. And they clearly do. Mickey Loomis is brilliant. But yeah. again, eventually that that bill comes due, and you're going to have a team that kind of looks maybe a little more similar to last year's Rams. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know, I hope the Saints fail miserably, but that's more of a Falcons take than anything else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> while we're on the subject, do you think that there's just an ideal way to divide this up, or is it really just come down to team by team? It's uh, there are multiple ways to team build. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have your uh, obviously the most important court position is quarterback, right. and the best thing that you can have is a cost controlled rookie contract quarterback that is actually capable of taking you deep into the playoffs and potentially to a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. That's not everybody, though. Everybody's chasing that high. It's hard to find a really good starting quarterback in the NFL. It's why guys like Carr make $40 million after they change sides. It's why Kirk Cousins continues to make money. Yeah, Because at the end of the day, what Matt and I look at on Decision Point is how to build a roster that can actually win long term. Mm -hmm. That's your that's your job, right? As a general manager, but as a head coach, as an area scout, as you know, other guys involved in the team, your job is to win now. And Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins help you win now, even if ultimately they're probably not guys capable of getting you to that promised land. It's why you're seeing teams take swings on guys like Anthony Richardson. That's why you're seeing teams take swings on huge athletic potential and upside. Because if they hit, they're going to provide you a ceiling that a, that a Cousins in a car just can't. So yeah. 
that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is if you have a Burrow, if you have a Mahomes, if you have a Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts falls into this bucket after last year, you can just pay him and, and accept that they're going to have to cover for some roster deficiencies. You're going to have to draft better. You're mm-hmm. going to have to surround them with pieces that are inexpensive because now your quarterback's expensive. But there is no one size fits all to roster building. Each one is kind of its own little unique snowflake. And uh, the way that teams go about making those decisions is always super interesting to see. Definitely. It definitely is. I have, for one, loved watching the Falcons come together over the past now three years with Terry F. Uh, Just because, you know, they go out, they make an, an incredibly insane pick by taking Kyle Pitts fourth overall. And then they follow it up by taking Drake London eighth overall. And then they follow it up with B. John Robinson now. Uh, and they still, up until this point, had no quarterback, still don't technically have a quarterback, but they're surrounding him with all these weapons, hoping that the quarterback falls into place. And I think that that's a good way to do it too. Get all these weapons, and then if you know your quarterback doesn't work out, now you've got a chance at a top-tier quarterback and all the weapons the following season. Um, do, you, do you kind of see the same thing with the Falcons, or am I just living in I think- Atlanta? It, look, the, the players are not the issue, right? Yeah. It, it uh, We love Bijan. We love Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Drake London's a really good football player. All of them, fantastic. The only problem that you'll run into, especially the Bijan one especially, is even if you get out of him everything that you hope to get out of him, which is basically those five years on his deal, the, the four plus one, and yeah. then two franchise tags, that's seven years. Mm-hmm. At the spot that you're picking there, getting best case seven years out of the position that you drafted is a problem because if you get an edge rusher that's productive for 10 or 12 years or a tackle that's productive for 10 or 12 years or mm-hmm. a quarterback that's productive for 15 years, yeah. those positions just have more value, mm-hmm. but that doesn't devalue what Bijan is as a player. It's just a it, it, the the reason we don't like the pick there isn't because we don't like Bijan or we don't think he's a generational running back. We don't think he's a really good football player. He fits the identity of that team really well. What Arthur Smith wants to do is run the ball over and over again. And they were very good at it last year with Tyler Algier. But Tyler Algier is not Bijan Robinson, (laughs) not by a far, far stretch of the imagination. The only reason that we had issue with it in any manner is because of what is the – the opportunity cost of drafting a B. John Robinson, even if he hits the way we think he's going to hit long-term. Yeah. But in terms of roster building, if you're just purely looking at it as a look at our fun toys, that's yeah. a really fun team for mm-hmm. any quarterback to play for. You know you're going to have a really yeah. good O-line. You know you're going to have a, a, a play caller that's going to get you into good situations. He did the same thing for Tannehill and Henry in Tennessee mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at what Atlanta is, it's one of the teams in the league that you know exactly what you're going to get from them. They're going to yep. run the ball. They're going to run the ball often. They're going to run the ball downhill, and they're going to they're just going to send dudes at you over and over again for 60 minutes, which is awesome on one side, but on the other <laughs> side, I don't know that until you get a quarterback in there, and you know we'll see what Ritter's got. There yeah. there are tools there to like, but uh, yeah. until you get a quarterback in there, it's kind of a you know, let's tread water and see where we can go. And they're going to tread water all the way to the top of the NFC South. So <laughs> maybe we've, just, we've discussed, you know, some, you, you brought up the point of just 
the positional value. And so I want to talk about player markets a little bit, and this is a trending topic and what we're going to continue to lead into this, but running backs in particular, incredibly undervalued, some positions more valued than others. Why don't you break it down a little bit on how you see it? So I think calling them undervalued is fair, but it's basically just the market that exists. So if you're paying for a running back at this point, the biggest problem that you have is by the time you get to actually pay them on that second contract, it's likely that their best years are already behind them. And if you're looking at it as, as an asset allocation problem, as opposed to a, we really like this player problem, you start to see why you can't do that. It's why, you know, despite the fact that we love, and I mean love Saquon Barkley, it's why he got the deal that he got. It's why he signed what he signed this morning. Yep. It's not simply because we think he is bad. He's not bad. He's very, very good. But the likelihood is that his best years are already behind him. And something that, that Mina Kimes brought up that I think is really important to discuss here is running back is one of the very few positions where your best years are probably while you're in college, maybe early NFL, and you're on a cost-controlled contract that nobody can do anything about. I mean, in college, at least you have NIL, and you mm-hmm. can there's a theoretical non-sealing there, even though we know that that money is you know capped out somewhere. The boosters yeah. aren't going to pay $15 million a year for a running back. But at least there's that now, whereas going forward, we'll see. There may need to be a provision added that, you know, running backs are excluded from this or excluded from that. It's tough to see a market where they make more money than they do now as a percentage. Mm-hmm. Just because, again, we're we're starting to see there are guys that, you know, the, the Ladanian Tomlinsons of the world, the, right. you know, the Marshall Fox of the world that played significantly later, but the game has just changed. Passing is so much more important now than it's ever been before. And mm-hmm. rushing has been devalued relatively. And so even the, the players that'll make it to a 29-30 aren't going to be worth what they were worth 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah. which sucks because they are some of the best athletes on the field. They do probably take the most punishment. And in reality, we've regulated the violence. We've regulated a lot of the violence out of football in terms of the the epic collisions they get. Yeah. The last player on the offense that you can really take clean swings at as a defender is a running back. Yeah. And you know, that's baked into that 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 risk factor that you have as an organization taking one. And it's why you're starting to see, you know, squad running backs, you know, platoons. You've got four guys that each do different things, all six seventh round picks, draft them, replace them. And you're watching teams view running backs as more of replaceable assets than building blocks, which is kind of why you're seeing what you're seeing in that market. Yeah. I mean, so you bring up the Ladanian Tomlinson's and of course the committees. Obviously to me, there's a difference between Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. I find Josh Jacobs to be a lot more replaceable than a Saquon Barkley. I know he was hyper-efficient. I know he was really good. I know he led the league in rushing. 
but he's not Saquon Barkley. And so I, so I feel like it makes sense for those types of running backs, the between the tackles grinders to not get so much, but these guys who are actually, I mean, Saquon Barkley is the New York giants. Correct. I mean, like, he's yeah. that, like yeah. he is that team. Uh, <laughs> it's one way to look at it is um, going forward. The giants have to, invest in Saquon Barkley at least yeah. for this year and next year until we they know what they have in Daniel Jones long term because I mean we yeah. had we had the one popular last year and he was really good mm -hmm. the on off field splits for Daniel with Saquon on there and out of there are insane like there there may not be a more running back dependent quarterback right now but that's also a, a dependent on the weapons that he had last year, which were basically non-existent all year. It yep. was him and Saquon running, them, running them to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I think you've got to consider that there are some quarterbacks that are going to require a running back attached to the hip like that for a period of time. And those are the guys that are going to get franchise tagged. Those are the guys that are going to get, you know, the two, three, 30 or $30 million mm -hmm. deals. Other than that, it's going to be tough to see someone. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey came in and changed life in San Francisco immediately. That run game came yep. to life. Um, yep. But they just didn't have anybody that had the juice that he has, and he's a very unique football player. Austin Eckler falls into the same bucket. Um, there's no one like Derrick Henry. Josh Jacobs played really, really well last year, and I think he deserves to be compensated for that. The question is, you know, how much more are you going to get out of him? Especially mm -hmm. when your quarterback is Garoppolo, you're going to lean on him heavily. How long do you, where do you, where does that risk reward proposition weigh itself as you put more carries on his body? There are only so many hits you can take and, and any NFL player that's played will tell you your yeah. body only has so many hits in it. How many of them are you willing to waste on a, on a season where if you're the Raiders, what's the ceiling there? Is, is there a Super Bowl? run in there somewhere i don't see it so definitely not a super bowl run but i think they could be surprising but that's just me thinking that jimmy garoppolo is pretty good at winning games i want to talk about running backs continuing and really just in general is there even an answer how how, how do we even solve this is it a front-loaded rookie contract is it making sure that their contracts are more incentive laden what do they do the problem is the nflpa is never going to cape up for their running backs at the expense of another position, which is what basically contract changing would require because this, the, the earlier you're free from your contract, the more money you're going to make. Mm -hmm. It's true of every position. If you, we let's say hypothetically, we made first round running back contracts two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would piss off the quarterbacks that are locked into their team for five years. It would piss off the, the, the wide receivers that are tied to their team for five years, they're not going to do that. I don't, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's possible. One thing that I did see floated out there that is really interesting is there is a pool of money that's set aside by the NFL that is based on incentives. Mm -hmm. It's not tied to the salary cap. It doesn't cost the teams themselves anything. The league pays this out. And it's based on performance incentives for players on relatively inexpensive deals. For example, DeMar Hamlin played, I, I think it was something like 90% of the snaps for Buffalo last year before, mm -hmm. you know, his really scary incident. He would have made, he probably made a couple hundred thousand dollars in a check that the NFL just sent him 
based on performance incentives from you know 2022 and that's probably that check was probably more than his entire you know rookie deal was worth or in more than his you know contract money from the year was worth mm -hmm. I, I don't have the exact number in front of me but they right. can get up to you know six seven eight nine hundred thousand dollars for performance incentives and i think that's one way that we can really you know go about it and take a add a little bit there potentially for running back specifically and mm -hmm. say, Hey, you're taking more punishment than other positions. You're relatively devalued. We can bump it this way. The only, the only issue there also is, you know, other players are going to be like, well, why can't we as safeties or as corners or as linebackers do the same? It's an economic problem more than it's a, Oh no, what happened to the running backs? What was me problem? Um, and I, I just, there isn't a good answer, Jason. The, the, the game has just moved away from them. And yeah. uh, to, to use, to use an analogy that, you know, basketball fans will understand it's the post up center of years ago it used to be one of the most, if not the most valuable position that you could have. And now it's just, you know, you need to be able to shoot threes as a center. You need to be able to do this. You need to be able to do that. And, they're asking running backs to do the same simply because running the ball the way that you used to 55 times a game just isn't winning games anymore with the way the advent of the rules and how good these quarterbacks and receivers have gotten. So it's yeah. a sad problem that there's not really a great fix to. I, yeah. I, it makes sense. It, it definitely makes sense that there's just not much you can do to it. It and sucks. That, it, yeah. And that's probably exactly why, Saquon Barkley ended up signing a contract that really wasn't much more than his franchise tag. It ended up being one year, $11 million, 2 million of it will be a signing bonus. Basically he's accepted everything you're supposed to get off the $10.1 million franchise tag and added 900,000 possible dollars in incentives. And that is what he could get. Good contract, bad contract. It's very rare that this happens. Supremely, yeah. supremely, supremely rare. Here's why. I think the last contract that I can think I if somebody in Washington like 0506 did this and I can't remember who it was off the top of my head but that was the last time that I remember a team giving someone over the franchise tag to sign a one year deal. This does not happen often. It's not going to be commonplace going forward because the team has all the leverage. They could have literally sat there and said, "No, we're just going to make you show up." Yeah. And instead they were like, you know, their, their, their angle was, Hey, you're not going to like this. We have all the leverage. Here are a few incentives to get you to sign. We'll guarantee this deal for injury as the franchise tag would have also. Yeah. So there, there are, there are built-in protections for the single year in the franchise tag, but they can tag him again next year. He didn't get the no yep. tag clause in there. Um, yep. But Jason, something that matters a lot here is let's say hypothetically they tag him again next year. In theory, that's two year, $25 million deal. That's really what it would amount to, which yeah. is basically Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara money. Yeah. Um, and if you're looking at it that way, as I'm sure Saquon is, if you stay healthy through those two years and show you're still productive and can be the guy that you 
have been, which is a generational building block running back, which yeah. you, we don't have a lot of anymore. It's not like they grow on trees. Uh, I think that, that he's betting on himself in a manner, but it just shows you even for the best of the best, this is where that market is. And getting someone to accept that is tough, especially someone that's as important to their team as Saquon is. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to watch because I mean, you know how good these guys are at what they do. It's just from a from a market and asset standpoint, this is what they're worth. Yeah, it's to put it into perspective, six highest paid running back now, even after the updated contract. That's behind Aaron Jones. That's behind Nick Chubb. That's behind Alvin Kamara. And then, of course, Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey making about five million dollars or less a year than Christian McCaffrey. I don't know. I mean, it. It sucks that Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs are basically making the same amount of money, uh, but it is what it is. And so yeah. the, the holdout has ended for Saquon Barkley, but not for others, at least in the eyes of the media. Quickly run through just what a holdout means for a player. Well, it used to be, you know, holdouts used to be a way to create contract leverage. Mm-hmm. The issue here, Jason, is there is no leverage. Yeah. Right? If if the Raiders have to go replace Josh Jacobs with Zamir White for the season, that's a problem, but it's not a long-term problem anymore. That's mm-hmm. not a we're setting our team back four or five or six years like it used to be when Le'Veon Bell held out, and that was the, the assumption at the time. The mega deals that we saw for Bell, for Gurley, for Ezekiel Elliott, those days are gone. They're the last ones that will probably ever look like that. Yeah. And it's not because the players have gotten worse. They've actually, I would argue, even potentially gotten better. Their opportunities have been lowered, obviously, in terms of how how often NFL teams run the ball. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, they're starting to realize – where that breaking point is. And it's in that year five, year six, year seven range. Yep. And unfortunately for running backs, that's when you get paid. And as a quarterback or as a tackle or as an edge rusher, that's not a problem. But as a running back, if we think your best years have already been expended, we're not going to pay you a ton of money guaranteed into the future. So there will be an impasse here. Uh, I wonder if one of these guys can get their teams to give them a three-year, $35 million deal that probably has guarantees into year two Mm -hmm. because we'll see if a team would actually invest in year three. I can't imagine they would, but it's tough out there, man. Like It's really hard to be a running back right now, and I feel for them. There There is no answer. They've earned and deserve what they want to get paid. The thing is in a salary capped sport, it's about allocation of resources. It's not about, we don't think you're worth that amount of money, period. It's based on what we have available to us. We can't pay you that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely understandable from a front office standpoint and again, all of it sucks. Yeah. It just pay running backs a lot of money. It's just like, it doesn't make sense. It's so funny because you look over across the pond and you see Kylian Mbappe being offered $700 million for one year to go play for a Saudi Arabian soccer club with none none of these rules. $700 million for one year 
of a different sport. It's yeah, it is just soccer wild. contracts are just different, man. That's that's <laughs> a different level of money. It's like you look at some of these MLB deals and some of these foreign yeah. soccer deals. You know, even the the uh, the live tour getting acquired. And, yeah, man, like the <laughs> amount of money pouring in from foreign governments. And I think that that will eventually have something to do here, whether that's in college football, NIL, or the NFL. It's coming. It will happen eventually, but we'll see how that. But we'll see how all that plays out. Definitely, definitely. All right, let's end this show with some quick speculation, and then I want you to highlight a player, Josh Jacobs. How long does this go on? I know with a franchise tag, he doesn't get any penalties or anything. He's basically sacrificing game checks. Do you think it goes on at all? Week one? What are you thinking? I think he. I think eventually he'll be there. He'll probably get there week one ish. Yeah. Um. And the Raiders have not been shy about paying people before. Uh, I think you might see some push back and forth based on what Barkley just did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, there is a significant difference between the amount of money Barkley made as the fourth overall pick and, (laughs) you know, going down in the twenties. So, uh, there, there is a significant gap that that he would want to make up there. It's not an apples to apples comparison, but I do think he'll be there week one. And I think you know, I, I don't, I don't think the Raiders are going into the season with Zamir White as their starter. If they do, God bless them. Um, that's that's a solid best ball dart throw, I think, in Zamir White because yeah. of the uncertainty here. But I never personally had any concern that Jacobs or that Barkley would report. Jacobs is a little more. Will we see him? towards the end of the preseason towards week one. I don't, I don't think he's going to hold out, hold out. No, I don't. No, I do think he'll eventually return, but he does just seem a little bit more bitter. Oh, for sure. As he should. Yeah. As he should. So, um, all right. Well, that's, that's, I'm kind of with you there. I do think he'll report the Zach Martin situation is interesting. He's the second highest paid guard in the league, making what? $6 million less than the next guy on a year. Yeah. Six and a half million from Chris Lindstrom. Getting about $14 million a year annually basically the backbone of this Cowboys offensive line, but his situation is a little different in that he's already signed a contract. So every day that he misses, he owes them $50,000. Am I correct? So Zach Martin will be fine. I don't, I don't know what the exact number is offhand. Um, Here's the thing. Jerry Jones will take care of his guys. I I have no concern whatsoever about Zach Martin. Mm -hmm. What the Cowboys do almost to a fault is take care of their own. And Zach forever has played on a contract that is significantly below what he brings to that franchise. And Jerry and company historically have taken care of guys that do this. I don't think the holdout is as much about, you know, what should he be paid as much as how long will that contract be? Mm-hmm. Will it be an extent? Will it be an extension as opposed to a restructure? How are we going to format this? But I do think that that ultimately gets done. There is not a Zach Martin on the street that you can go sign no. to replace him. And no. uh, this team has, you know, for, for better or for worse, this team has Super Bowl aspirations. And they have a very capable roster. This is not the kind of player that you're just going to be able to go into the street and find someone to replace. You're not yeah. going to replace him with a rookie. You're not going to replace him with anybody that's available as a free agent. You're not going to replace him with anybody that you could trade for. Yeah. As opposite of the running backs, Zach Martin actually has all the leverage here. So I do yeah. expect that to get done and done rather quickly in short order. Yeah, I think so too. And just real quickly while, while it's on my mind, do you, 
when you have these fines, like if, if a deal has ever come to, are those able to be thrown out the window? Um, the fines are paid to the team, but yes, the team can essentially give them back in the contract or in a signing bonus, however you want to okay. do it. Cool. Yeah. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it's, it's not really that big a deal. Uh, yeah. Especially for these guys that are already making tens of millions. It's, it's going to be, you know, um, all right, well, I paid, pay, you know, I racked up 750k in fines. And I want that on the back end somewhere. So, you know, they'll take care of each other one way or the other. And, and good organizations always do take care of their own. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we've broken down salary cap, NFL markets, really all of it. It's been a fantastic discussion. Thank you for that. But I'm not going to let you leave without highlighting a player that that our audience needs to go target right now. So he's going as RB21. We've talked about running backs. RB21 ADP on underdog right now. Mm -hmm. And my guy is Damian Pierce, the running back for the Texans. Because everyone has concerns about, you know, will Houston's offense find a wide receiver? How good will the defense be with the addition of Will Anderson? They're going to be better than people think. And Matt and I discussed that on Decision Point. Mm -hmm. Here's the other part. The, the competition here is Devin Singletary, who has been historically a guy. fun player, but yeah. a guy. <laughs> Damian Pierce is going to get the ball a lot. One, historically, rookie quarterbacks run to support him. Yeah. Two, they're not going to throw the ball 40 times a game. This is not Kansas City's offense by a long shot. Yeah. And I think CJ is going to do some fun things this year. And I think, you know, Nico Collins is a fun piece. Tate tells a fun piece. You've got Robert Woods is the veteran Mechie coming back from his cancer, which is freaking awesome. That's one of the yeah. coolest stories of the year. It is. They, there are a lot of fun pieces here and you add in Dalton Schultz as the, as you know, the tight end there, there are fun pieces in the offense, but there's no super alpha, you know, game breaking wide receiver where we're throwing the ball 35 times a game. Damian Pierce being drafted is basically a back-end RB2 with legitimate RB1 potential as opposed to the, you know, Alexander Madisons of the world that we don't really love from a profile standpoint. Damian Pierce is going to get a Lions opportunity share here in an offense that's offensive line is better than we think. We think the scheme is going to be significantly better than it was last year. The defense is going to be significantly better than it was last year. So hopefully not as many negative game scripts. And he showed you a lot last year, yeah. just as a, you know, as, as a guy that they drafted in round four, I loved his game at Florida. I thought they should have leaned on him more. And they didn't. So he doesn't have as much of the wear and tear on him as some other guys coming out of college would. I love everything about him, especially at ADP this year. I think, you know, he's going to pay off in a big way at, at RB 21 prices, you know, whether it's redraft, whether it's DFS, whether it's, you know, your, your choice in best ball. I think at his price right now, he's one of the best values left on the board as, you know, things are settling in and training camp. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you for sure. RB 21 feels like a floor for a kind of guy that's going to get that much volume. I do think Singletary will get some touches, but I mean, it's definitely Pierce's backfield. And we talked about it a little bit pre-show. I'm definitely a fan of the Texans this year. I do think they'll be a little bit more surprising than people are giving them credit for. Perhaps. I mean, I mean if, if if you look at if you look at it right, yeah. the the reason that we've inflated Najee Harris to where he is is volume, 
and yeah. we think they're going to run a decent bit, and we yeah. we think that their offensive line is going to be improved. If you're going to make that argument for him, why is Damian Pierce going as RB21? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I guess it's just rookie quarterback, but you've got to remember how good C.J. Stroud is, how good I hope this coaching staff will be. And remember the stretch that the Texans went on last year with Davis Mills, uh, taking the Cowboys to overtime, almost beating the Chiefs. Uh, it was quite a run there at the end, and I think that they do have all the pieces coming together. So I like that selection a lot. On, tell the people where they can find you. It's plug ton. It's uh, it's at Nanduri N A N D U R I N F L on Twitter. Um, and then obviously you can catch me and Matt. And uh, well, this week it'll be someone different because obviously crossover week. So it'll be yeah. uh, me and a certain somebody that you are used to here from the Underworld shows that you'll see probably Friday, might be Sunday. We'll see. We're still working that out. But a uh, decision point every, basically every other week in the off season or every week um, uh, on anywhere that you catch your player profile or Roto Underworld stuff. Yeah, definitely go check out the decision point. That's probably my favorite besides my own podcast. Yeah, got it. You got to plug your own, Jason. Come on. <laughs> but I, I just, I do love what you guys bring. I love what you bring the inside. It's definitely very, very insightful. Tons of actual facts given to you, things you need to know very understandable team perspectives. I, I love the show. You guys bring some great information. So definitely go check out the decision point. If you haven't, for some reason, if you're listening to the show and haven't, I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> that is on all the podcast networks audience. Thank you for joining on it. Thank you for joining. This has Thanks been wait, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been wake and take everyone have a fantastic Tuesday tomorrow. We will have another host for wake and take for crossover week. So stay tuned for some Matt Babich action. It's going to be great. See you all later this week. And of course, next week as well, when crossover week is over, have a good one. Peace. Peace.